a barrel. Fa la 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 la. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This is episode 48, or in this case, this is the third annual Robin. Everyone loves the Drake Christmas episode. These are some of my favorite episodes to do every year and finding some different way to infuse Christmas and Robin and Batman or both. And this is going to be a really special episode. And it goes without saying the Christmas episodes are going to be a little bit longer in length. So hopefully you have enough to uh, enjoy Christmas season. Maybe you're on the way to grandma's house and you're like, hey, let's listen to a podcast. I'd be honored and flattered if you did that. Um, At the end of the last uh, episode that... uh, Ryan and I did, I was talking about a giveaway that I would like to do. At the time that we recorded episode 48, which you're getting ready to listen to, I didn't quite have the books ready to know exactly what I was going to give away when we were recording the episode. So that's why this insert is here before the show. So I'm giving away 11 books uh, out of my collection that I managed to somehow duplicate while I was collecting the Robin ongoing series. I thought this would be really pretty cool. Rather than just have these books just kind of set in with my other comics not getting enjoyed since I already have doubles of these. I thought this might be a really good way for a listener out there. If it's like, you know, I'd like to pick up some of these Robin issues when they're talking about them to be able to kind of read along. So hopefully uh, this may uh, be a cool prize to, uh, to give out. I've never really done a prize giveaway. I've heard some other podcasts do it. And I thought this would be pretty cool to get 11 books from my collection that uh, kind of spans the whole Robin ongoing series. And I'm throwing in a DC Comics uh, rebirth issue, and I'll explain to that. So let me read down uh, the issues that I have here. From the Robin mini series. I have issue four, and these are kind of sporadic, so I know that some of these are tied into uh, other story arcs, but maybe this will help get your collection started. So like I said, uh, Robin from the uh, mini series. this is issue number four, uh, from Batman 467, that's the start of the Shadowbox story, which uh, really kind of ties into the Robin uh, miniseries. Uh, then Robin 23, Robin 67, part of No Man's Land. Robin 95, Robin 100. This is the last uh, issue for Chuck Dixon. He took a little bit of a break before coming back for another, you know, seven or eight issues. Teen Titans 35, it's the start of their one-year-later storyline. Robin 150, which is the start of the one-year-later storyline in the Robin ongoing series. Robin 151, Robin 156, and then DC Comics Rebirth, Batman Detective Comics 940, which is the uh, big issue where Tim Drake quote-unquote dies. It's the variant cover by Raphael Arbuquerque. Such a beautiful-looking cover, and all these books will come bagged and boarded, and they will be packaged uh, very neat and secure so they arrive to you safe and sound. So you may be asking, hey, Rob, how do we get a hold of these books? So I was trying to think of a question that kind of pertain to the show. Hopefully this one won't be too hard. I think we have mentioned it numerous times on the podcast. And uh, a hint, if you go back to some of the really early shows, you could probably figure it out. Uh, But the question is, 
what podcast were Terrence and I on before starting Robin Everyone Loves the Drake? So that is the question. There is a tiebreaker question. If we get uh, multiple answers in, then the we will go through a tiebreaker question. I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, right now. The tiebreaker question is, what was Terrence's first episode on the podcast? So the first question is, what is what was the podcast that Terrence and I were on before starting this podcast? And then in the event of a tie, what was the first episode that Terrence made his first appearance on the show? So all you have to do is write into the show at Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. That's Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com and put in the header Christmas giveaway and put your uh, two answers in there and uh, I will get in contact with the winner. Like I said, in the event of the tie, then we will go to that. And the uh, cutoff time for the contest is the 1st of January, 2017. So you have from the 21st when this episode drops uh, until midnight, December 31st to uh, get your answers in. All right, before we get into the episode, I want to plug a podcast that was just sent my way, and then we will get into the Christmas episode of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! Hi, I'm Tim from Cord Industries, the Blue Beetle blog. I'm here to tell you about an exciting new addition to the Silver and Gold family of podcasts. The show is Beatlemania, and it focuses on what is arguably one of the greatest superheroes in all of comics history, Blue Beetle. From the adventures of Dan Garrett the Cop in the 1930s to Dan Garrett the Archaeologist in the 1960s, from everyone's favorite Ted Cord to the more recent adventures of Jaime Reyes, we'll be covering the entire legacy of the Blue Beetle. And I won't be doing it alone. Joining me for this epic journey through the lives of the Blue Beetle will be Jay from the Silver and Gold Podcast. Together, we'll be discussing, reviewing, and celebrating the awesomeness of all of the Beatles. Beatlemania, coming soon to SNGpod.com and cordindustries.blogspot.com. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Oh, screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will be looking at two eras of Tim Drake. One will be the classic 90s 2000 Tim Drake Robin and Red Robin series, while the second will be taking a look at Tim Drake in the current era of DC Comics Rebirth and Beyond, most notably Detective Comics or whatever books Tim appears in that month. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Your home for all things Batman. And, of course, Robin. This podcast can be found a couple different ways. One is, again, at the BatmanUniverse.net or iTunes or wherever you can find the podcast. You can get a hold of us and look up the show also on the BatmanPodcastNetwork.com, which is a sister site to Batman on Film. And thank the guys over there for adding us to their list of shows. And uh, contact information, you go through Facebook.com slash Everyone Loves the Drake. We're on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can email in at the show at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. And our newest endeavor, which we haven't done anything in a while with it, is over at YouTube in the search engine. You can look up Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. And I think Terrence and I were working on Seduction of the Gun, which is a good segue to introduce Terrence. I don't know if we'll get to it this year. If not, it'll be the beginning of next year. So with that, Terrence, how are you doing tonight, sir? Yeah, good. Thanks, Rob. And thanks for picking up the slack when I, I couldn't make it uh, last podcast, but does uh, taking the family over to uh, Disney World. So you know, hopefully you give me a pass on that one. <laughs> well, uh, technically, I was kicked off the last podcast. Yeah. So I don't even know if technically I'm supposed to be here right now. So I thought it's Christmas and you might just be sending me some good cheer. But you were spending a lot of time with, you know, Star Wars stuff and Disney, but. There was that other company over there, too, all those Marvel guys. So you might be kicked off the podcast for the rest of the year. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Ryan and I had oh. a long talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds not fair enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and with that, Ryan is back with us tonight. Ryan, how are you doing today, sir? I am, I'm doing great, and I, I am so excited about this podcast. And Batman and Christmas and talking to all you guys is, like, definitely a highlight, and it's, it's going to be great. And I've... Just just to place this moment in time, me personally, I've re- I've recorded over three hours of podcasts this weekend alone already. <laughs> wow, with, with I did we did it we did a one hour Batman on film podcast and a two hour Batman on film Star Wars podcast and I kind of don't care. I just can't wait to talk to you guys and just keep <laughs> keep going because this is so you know this is so much fun. Uh, the thoughts and opinions of Ryan are Ryan's, Bill. So, Bill, if you're hearing this, that's Ryan's all <laughs> prompted by saying that. Uh, seeing the tweet uh, that you guys put out about for the uh, Star Wars podcast, I'm like, uh, that got my attention right away. I can't wait to hear what you guys are going to be talking about on that. Mm-hmm. And if the show wasn't full enough with co-hosts, uh, we have another guest with us tonight that we had talked about you know, after he gets done with uh, his wedding and honeymoon, we'll have him on the show. And then just like everything else in life, time just kind of gets by and we're putting together the Christmas show. I thought, I think I know who we could have on the show. Uh, He graciously invited Terrence and I over to his wonderful show at Holy Batcast. Uh, Making his first appearance on this show is Mr. Andy DiGenova. How are you doing tonight, sir? I am great. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. And it's so funny to hear you say that because I felt like when I had you guys on Holy Batcast, it wasn't that long ago. But since you prefaced it by saying that it was before my wedding, that's almost been a year. <laughs> Holy crap. I don't know how that happened. Um, so, yeah, I guess uh, better late than never. I'm super psyched to be on this one because, uh, like you guys, I love Batman. I love Christmas. So this is going to be awesome. Excellent. We're, we're really glad you could do it and uh, been enjoying what you guys have been doing over there and just going between uh, Batman on film and Holy Batcast and what we've been talking about here. I feel like 2016 
now was such a blur. If you go clear back to January of 2016, like yeah. all the stuff that was laid out in front of us, like, oh, I can't believe we're going to get Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad, two Batman movies in the in the same year. And that'll be a topic uh, coming up in a little bit. And little did we know we're going to get two more uh, theatrical released films even though there were more for a DVD. So our, our first topic is going to be Batman Christmas gifts. Uh, Terrence had this cool idea, uh, since it is the holiday season, that even now being 40-something years old, I still <laughs> still managed <laughs> Before to... Before I heard that, Rob, you were like 40... <laughs> yeah, my, my, my microphone just uh, ducked out. Um, <laughs> Um, I'm, I, it's no lie. I'm still a kid at heart and my, I'm putting down, you know, Christmas lists for my parents and I'm like, oh, I need a drill or a table saw or, you know, something adult. And my wife's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, there's this cool Batman statue I was looking at. There's this cool, you know, Robin thing or whatever. So yeah, I'm still getting action figures underneath the <laughs> tree and things like that. But I kind of want to go around the room, if you will, with everybody and like some of your favorite Batman Christmas gifts that you might have received as an, as a child or as a 40-something-year-old <laughs> uh, individual. Just uh, be kind of cool to kind of reminisce about that. So, uh, Terrence, uh, we'll start with you. Maybe one of your favorite Batman gifts that you got as a kid or as now. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't think there was a Christmas that I didn't get something that was Batman in it. But um, I, one of my favorite when I was really little, I, I must have been like four or five, I don't know if any of you guys had these when you were kids. They were like punching bags for kids, okay. and they were like almost like uh, two or three foot. Like they were like the size of a kid, and they were like a big balloon you'd blow up, and it had like a weight on the bottom, and you'd <laughs> yeah. punch it, and it would go down, and then but then it would come right back up, and you just you know spend hours. And I had gotten a big Batman one of those, but my parents had blown it up like, or Santa Claus had blown it up the, the night before, <laughs> so it was like out already pre you know done so like batman was like standing under the tree when i like woke up and all the pictures and stuff have this huge batman of him from that year in it um so that one was always kind of um fun but the one that really stood out was uh 1989 that christmas um i got (laughs) yeah I got my very first VHS movie because I, I, I don't know hmm. if it was just not on my radar or what, but movies, VHS movies used to be really expensive. Oh, yeah. And then and then in 89, the first one I remember being somewhat affordable was Batman. And that was priced at like 25 bucks. And I think you could get it. I think my parents got it on sale for like 1999 somewhere. And so that was like the very first video or VHS cassette of a movie that I actually own. And I got that for Christmas and my uh, bus route to school every morning would go by a video store. And for the whole month of December, they had like the poster out of, you know, and it was, it had no words on it. It just had mm. like the bat symbol and it wasn't even the whole bat symbol. Like the edges were cut off on the side. And every morning driving to school, I would look at that and be like, Oh, I hope I get that. I hope that, I hope that comes <laughs> through. And then on the 24th and 25th when I finally got it, and then I, I just wore that thing out like crazy. Um, and it was just so cool to actually own a movie. I mean, kids today would laugh at me hearing that. Um, and then the other one that struck me like my as a, an adult kid getting it was my wife got me um, a bunch of different Batman Christmas ornaments. But she got me um, one that came out about five years ago or so. It was a Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns uh, limited edition uh, ornament from Comic Con, which oh, this was when, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 
And this was a few years ago when you actually could only get the stuff at Comic-Con. Now, all of a sudden, yeah. things that are Comic-Con, you can pick them up at Hot Topic and <laughs> and at the mall and stuff. But this was one like you actually had to be at Comic-Con. So she got it on eBay. I think yeah, it was like I've seen that. I've seen that order. I mean, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I always put that up real high on my tree like it's jumping out. So, uh, yeah, those are, are three that come to mind. Uh, what about you, Ryan? Oh, so I am going to – let's see. I'm going to send you guys an email to illustrate mine because I, what I did before this uh, podcast, I actually got my mom to dig through some of our old photo albums and <laughs> and find some old pictures of uh, Christmas pasts. And so I was born in 1987, so uh, around when Batman Returns came out in 92, I was five years old. And from what I remember, that was probably one of the biggest Batman Christmases my parents did. So when Santa count comes, instead of like wrapping up presents that say from Santa or whatever, you wake up in the morning, go downstairs, and then all your presenters are just like, they're all there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just sent you guys an email uh, with the picture of what I got in Christmas of 1992, if you can see it. And it's like this awesome pile of Batman Returns. And Batman related stuff like um, you see, like the Bruce Wayne custom coupe that I've mentioned on this oh, show yeah, before, yeah. which is like that awesome, like transforming vehicle. There's like a couple of figures from Batman Returns, like the like the uh, Tim Drake Robin. There's like an umbrella and a, you know, like a Batman Returns sleeping bag, uh, Viewmaster stuff. There's there's also like volume two of the 1943 serial, which <laughs> is just kind of. Which is just kind of bizarre, and I, I I remember watching it as a kid and just being like, it starts with like episode six or seven or something, and I had no clue, you know, what came before it, which was pretty <laughs> hilarious. There's like this old, um, there's like this Batman Returns trace plates thing that I remember getting, where it had like, you know, maybe six or seven different plastic plates that were parts of different scenes from Batman Returns, and you could mix and match them to create different scenes, and then you could trace over them. It would, and you could mix and match those and make different scenes and color them and stuff, and that was kind of neat. And the other cool thing was like this Batman Gotham City chase, like a slot car kind of thing. I uh, saw that for Batman so Returns. Yeah, like it was really cool. I remember setting that up on Christmas morning in '92. I'm going to have to look on eBay. That thing is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see, you I did not have that. Do you see that in the picture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm zooming in and looking around. And yeah. This picture is amazing. It's, I want this Christmas morning this year. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, me too. Me too. I, I can only hope that, like, you know, 10, 20 years from now when I have kids, um, they, like, look at, listen to these old podcasts and, like, get all this stuff for me again and just, <laughs> and just recreate my childhood. I can, only be, I can only hope. Yeah, that Gotham City Chase thing, I think I – because I was – looking at this picture last night trying to, you know, verify each item in that stack. And that Gotham City Chase thing seems pretty rare now. It's it's, it's kind of expensive on eBay. Wow. Um, and I remember it being really awesome. There's, like, a Batmobile and a cop car, and you can just, like, have them race around Gotham City. And I think there's probably VHS video of, you know, Christmas morning, me and my dad putting that together and racing the Batmobile and the police car. And I just remember that being just a ton of fun. So that was definitely one of my best Bat Christmas memories for sure yeah i'm with andy i want to go back to that christmas <laughs> yeah yeah uh, definitely well andy uh, how i'm looking it up on ebay right now Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah let, let's hear the price of this thing there's only one that looks like it's up here and in and, and the bids 
it's just open so the bid says one penny that can't be right and but it's the only one i see so i think Batman, you're right that it's rare. city chase hmm. i only see one batman returns slot maybe i take returns off the search and just put batman gotham city chase yeah all this uh, it's just all these lego sets that keep coming up hmm. i just looked the other day and i saw like three of them oh okay here we go I will. Just one for fifty bucks. That's I'm awesome. not horrible. I'll send a link right here. Here's a link. Yeah, starting bid sixty, buy it now at one fifty. Oh. And they've wow. got a great picture of uh of of the box, like really high res. It's it's awesome box art. It's got like Michael Keaton's Batman in the background, and you have the Batmobile and a, and a cop car like racing in the snow. It looks very similar to the artwork from the um, graphic novel, the uh, companion. Uh, graphic novel for the mm. movie. Mm. Hmm. And I remember taking like like if you see in that picture there is like a you know cut out backdrops of Gotham City and things like that. Oh, I yeah. remember I remember taking those when when I wasn't playing with the slot cars and just using that as like backdrops and just playing with you know normal action figures behind it and stuff. But, but yeah, that was definitely a really cool. And and I guess it is kind of a scarce item. So thanks, mom <laughs> and dad. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> You know, so, stuff like that really wasn't on my radar at the time, and uh, I think Andy said it on his show with like the reception of, you know, the McDonald's Happy Meal thing. You know, uh, there other than those figures, uh, there weren't a whole lot. It wasn't a whole lot of Batman Returns merchandise that was at the beginning, but it seemed like it, it tapered off a lot quicker than '89 or Forever or you know. God forbid Batman and Robin did. I think the Batman Return stuff was there, and once people were like, whoa, 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 we got this penguin spitting up blood, uh, we're, we're not going to put anything <laughs> out. So it was just real uh, real rare to to see stuff like that. I remember seeing it in a store, but then I was like, oh, that'd be really cool to get, and then it's just like it was there one day and gone the next. So, Oh, was- you know, here's something else that I'm trying to think of. So you notice there in the on the left side of that picture, and maybe, Rob, once the show goes up, we can just I can tweet this out and you can retweet it so people can see it. Okay. Um, on the side, there is like a Batman '89 Joker mobile, which I find pretty interesting. And from what I can remember, I begged and begged Santa or my parents or whoever would listen to get me one for Christmas that year because I I had one previously and I played with it so much that the sidecar broke off of it, mm. I believe. And so I was like, oh, I want another one. But I'm thinking like, well, this was 1992, so I think the the previous toys were around in 1990, so I'm not sure how Santa acquired that toy two years later. Unless, of course, I'm not sure if it was hard for them to find, or maybe Batman 89 was still so popular that those toys were still in the stores. I'm not exactly sure what the deal was, or if it was difficult for them to find at the time. I'm going to have to ask him. Yeah, that was the one question I had looking at it, because I was like, I think that was from the 89 film. So, yeah, yeah the Toy Biz that. one, even. So it was pre. Pre Dark Knight collection, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, what about? Well, here's a fun little thing I found as I'm searching for this on eBay. Uh, it seems that Tyco repackaged it a couple of years later and just made it uh, Batman the Animated Series Gotham City Chase. Ooh, I see same, that now. It's the same exact toy, the same exact track, <laughs> and it's just they just tweaked the style and everything to make it based on the animated series oh. instead of the film. Those are much like, cheaper. And it looks like they, uh, in, instead of a cop car, they maybe took, looks like they took the same cop car model and just put like Joker decals on it. 
Oh, totally. That's exactly what they did. How funny. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's really clever though. And they did the same thing too, like with the um I remember they had the did any did any of you guys have the old Batcave command playset that Got was it. I think originally it was originally from Batman Returns and it started out with and it was originally going to be part of the Dark Knight collection, which is why a lot of the um things seem like it's from from Batman 89 is because it was intended to be, you know, the Batcave looks more 89 ish. The, the, uh, uh, villain layer in the background. I was originally supposed to be access chemicals, yeah. but it all, but they didn't come out with it for the dark Knight collection and repackaged it and re released it for the first time with Batman returns and reskinned it for that. But then they ended up using that same Batcave command thing for Batman returns, Batman forever animated series. I believe even Batman and Robin had a variation of that. Thing. And Batman it, like, beyond it folds out as well from that same thing. Yeah. Me? Same, nice. same one. So the, so they got a lot of reuse out yeah. of that thing. I think technically I have the Batman Forever version of it. Um, mm. The Axis Chemical part is green. I know for Batman and Robin it was red, and Batman Beyond it was this weird, almost translucent blue to make it look wow. more, you know, techno-ish or however. Uh, so what about you, Andy? What are your uh, Batman Christmas memories? Uh, well, i got to say I love this question, and I am embarrassed that I have a really terrible answer for it oh. uh, because shockingly, like I I got my Batman stuff kind of year round, so I never really had a Batman Christmas. Um, I racked my brain and I like kind of even went year by year, and I'm like, well, what did I get that year? No, that year I got Ninja Turtles. That year I got this because Batman because. Most of it revolved around the movies, especially when I was a kid. Those always came out in the summer, so that's when the, the merchandise was was really hot and heavy. So I tended to get it not at Christmas time. I, I couldn't wait that long. Mm. So the only really good answer I have is because when Batman 89 came out, just like Terrence said, it coming out on VHS, price to sell, was a very big deal. Um and uh, and Ryan sent us the the YouTube link of the commercial of like oh in in stores for Christmas is Batman. I remember those commercials. I remember it being a big deal. And at that point, I was at an age where I couldn't buy things for myself. I was still pretty young. Uh, I was ten, eleven. So that year, all I wanted was my very own copy of Batman, and I got it. Like it, it, That was a very easy Christmas for, for my mom and, and my stepdad because they were like, oh, Andy wants Batman? Great. Here you go. Here's Batman. Um, so I knew I was getting it, and, and that's exactly what I got. And then, of course, I got a bunch of other stuff. But as far as like Batman-related stuff, I just wanted that movie uh, that I could just wear out. And honestly, I think I still have that original VHS in a box somewhere. I, I think when I got rid of all my VHS, I kept that one for that very reason because it was like mm -hmm. the, the one Christmas gift i really really wanted that year and i got it but then by the time batman returns came out three years later i was 13 or 14 i had a paper out so like i bought that on vhs with my own money the day it came out i remember immediately like rushing to the video store and buying it and that came out in i think in october it was before christmas um and so so yeah like as far as other christmases go my Batman stuff tended to come to me at other times of the year. However, I will say now as an adult, I get great Batman stuff every Christmas because, uh, <laughs> you know, my wife treats me good. She gets me cool uh, Batman stuff. Uh, a couple years ago, she got me the cool Batman and Robin Converse. Um, nice. That I still oh, wear. I cool. Yeah, I wore those uh, on my wedding day. I wore those uh, for my wedding. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
so you know, and I always get like Batman socks and Batman shirts and Batman onesies and and everything. I, I, I <laughs> at this point, uh, you know, and you guys, I'm sure, can relate because you're kind of known as the Batman guy. It's pretty easy for people to get you Christmas gifts because they're like, oh, it's got the Batman logo, perfect. That's what you get. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> exactly, I, yeah. I have a good friend named Paula who she makes it her mission every Christmas to get me a Batman T-shirt that I don't have. And so I get really cool random Batman t-shirts from her because she is like bound and determined to find me ones that I don't already have. So that's always fun to see what she comes up with. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, uh, again, this, you know, nowadays in the present, I think I get more Batman stuff every Christmas than I did as a kid. And I think as a kid, it was just because my birthday was in the summer, too. And so I think I got my Batman stuff then. But um, that Batman 89, although not an original choice or an original story like that was you know i coveted that videotape and then uh annoyed my brothers and sisters for years after just watching it ad nauseum <laughs> uh mine is gonna be uh well i've got a couple but uh of course i got the 89 uh film on vhs and i think i bugged my parents enough and i remember my dad going you're in high school shouldn't you be done with batman at this point <laughs> oh i've had yeah i've I, had those conversations i remember too, looking like, at him and went, no. uh no uh <laughs> you like the high state buckeyes they're real and i was like i saw batman in a theater that's as real as he can get to be and it was i remember, I remember this clear as day dad giving me you know, it wasn't like they hid it. It was wrapped up. I knew what the VHS looked like, and I just got this sigh of like, "Here you go." And like, I knew it was Batman. I didn't care if the <laughs> sigh was like, "Here's your Batman tape." But I immediately went right straight to the VCR. I think it was like the third gift I got that Christmas, and I wanted to pop it in. Dad's like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm going to put this in while we're unwrapping gifts," <laughs> and it, it was it was playing on in the background. My sisters are looking over my shoulders like, "Oh, I like this part." I remember, my dad just the look on his face was like, "I should have waited till later to give this to him." <laughs> it was a great Christmas. But one of the other ones um, that I got as uh, a Fisher Price book, I'm holding it here, is the Christmas of '83. Uh, it's the copyright date from this, so I'm assuming that's what it was. Um, actually, the copyright is 82, but I remember it being 83, so it was probably a year old. Uh, it was a Fisher-Price, uh, Batman and Robin, the Teen Wonder, The Case of the Laughing Sphinx. Uh, came with a cassette tape, kind of like where the books uh, books on tape. And uh, I just remember playing this thing as a kid over and over and over again. This is the very first Batman, what I would call, comic book that I had ever uh, picked up. And... Um, I did on my Rob's Rogues YouTube uh, channel uh, the technical first uh, show for Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. I did a zero episode of me reading this book three years ago to the day uh, for the podcast, and uh, I acted out all the voices and everything. It probably sounds really funny to go back and listen to, but that was my way (laughs) of announcing uh, this particular podcast. Um, I've probably read this book a zillion times, and uh, um, it's just a, a cute little thing uh, that my parents got. And I think I must have spilled some red Kool-Aid because some of the pages are, <laughs> are red-stained. But I'll, I'll share uh, this on the uh, Twitter feed for people to see when the episode comes up. But that, this is one of my prized things as a kid when somebody asks you what your first Batman comic was. To me, this I didn't know any better at the time. I just assumed, oh, I got a comic book. That's what I kept calling it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's very, very cool. So that was my um, 
Batman Christmas, but like you, Andy, my, my wife is really good about getting things, and she's like, you've got so much Batman stuff. She's like, I stare into your room and go, okay, I want to get him this. And then she comes in and goes, no, he's got that, he's got that, he's got that. <laughs> but every year she finds a little something. And so, you know, I may make mention of that, you know, February of one year and completely forget about it and it'll show up under the tree. I'm like, I didn't even say anything. She's like, I know I make notes. So, <laughs> so I got, I got a good one. That's great about doing stuff like yeah. that. Well, hey, that's, the, that's I, what my wife does too. Like I, one of the, the more premier Batman things I collect is the, uh, the black and white statues. Oh, I love those. And those, yeah, those are great. And that's such an easy gift kind of thing because all you have to do is go in the room and see which one I don't have yet. And just <laughs> give me another one and I'll be extremely happy no matter what, which one you get, you know? I just started uh, collecting those. The first one I got was the uh, Dick Grayson uh, Jacques Batman, where it looks like he's diving off. Diving. Yeah. I think it's actually from the Black Mirror, which is a great story. And um, Mm -hmm. I've got that propped up right behind the Black Mirror graphic novel. Love that. Now I'm like, oh, I like those black and white statues. So. And they're making their first Robin statue. It's Damien, but still, the black and white's going to get its first uh, Robin statue, I think, is pretty cool. So. Hey, uh, Rob, I wanted to add one more I forgot to mention, and I'm wondering if any, have you guys ever had this? Um, it says it came out in 77, so I, I probably got it 77 or 78, but one year I got a record player, and I got, with that record player, a record with Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman on it, and I had to look it up. It says Exciting Christmas Stories, and it's got, like, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, they're, like, arm in arm. And like Batman and Superman both have like huge box, uh, huge like Santa bags full of toys and Wonder Woman and Superman have like uh, Santa hats and and Batman's got a Santa beard on and it's exciting Christmas stories. Did any of you guys ever have that or hear that? I've seen I've seen that artwork before and I I would have to think I probably had the record player by I'm going to say I probably didn't. I probably remember seeing it, but I remember seeing Santa uh Batman with the Santa Claus beard. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that was kind of fun because it was like Batman and it was Christmas and it was something Batman Christmas. This uh, this is the the back of the record uh, has um, some pic some like graphics. I don't even get to see it, and it has like Superman flying. So <laughs> yeah, it has Superman <laughs> flying like a little kid and uh, two little kids on his back. And I was always as a kid saw it, be like, how do I sign up for that? Like, how do I get Superman? Because I think I was still like. <laughs> believe superman was a real guy but listen to the description of um so there's three stories and um one is a superman story one's a wonder woman one's a batman listen to the description of the batman story it's called christmas carol caper batman receives an ominous singing telegram on christmas eve but dismisses it as the work of a crank he and robin go off to a christmas party at the Southside mansion down a oh, Southside mission. I'm sorry, downtown, but soon learned the telegram was no prank when attempts on his life are made by Rudolph, the red nose hitman. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, well, how, how come this guy has not been like retcon back in or something? Rudolph, the red nose hitman. I got to see. And then Maxie, the minstrel and Sammy, the Southside Santa. <laughs> so there's a uh, Ben Affleck needs to bring him back for the next, uh, WB movie. <laughs> Either that or uh, Tom King or 
Um, James Tynion, if you're listening, uh, you need a Christmas story with those characters in it. Yeah. <laughs> James Tynion tweeted recently, like, are, you, are there any, like, Batman villains you haven't seen recently that we should bring back? So, somebody yeah. find that tell them now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> that, that has to be the most obscure Batman villain ever. On the back of a 1977 record, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Hitman. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing is that uh, YouTube does not disappoint. Somebody has digitized this. Oh, great. Listen to it. So there you um, go. <laughs> you could even do when if you do a YouTube version of this, you could put, you know, pictures, all this stuff in the background while we're talking to. Yeah, it could make a fun. Yeah. They're pretty cool. That's that's an idea I have. Uh, the 50th episode is right around the corner. And I've thought about doing a YouTube live video where people can kind of see us talk and we'll just kind of make an open ended show. So who knows? Maybe it may show up in something like that. Moving on to our next topic, uh, 2016, like I said in the beginning of the show, was a a year that, in 2015, I felt like that was the longest year ever. Uh, the DC movies kind of kept getting pushed back, and you know, originally Batman vs Superman had the same day as Captain America. Then it switched, and then we heard things like Ben Affleck got injured, and that's the reason the movie got put back, and all these. Rumors and everything. So when March of 2016 hit, I remember sitting in the theater for Batman vs. Superman going, I get two movies this year with Batman in it. How great is this? And as the year went, we found out while The Killing Joke was coming out on DVD, the powers that be at Warner Brothers said, hey, we'll do a a one-night-only screening of the movie. And if I remember correct, it got two nights. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. So... We thought, oh, wow, that's really cool. I'm seeing three Batman movies in one year. And then when Batman uh, 66 Return of the Cape Crusader came out, Warner Brothers was like, well, hey, let's just do it again. So in one year, you got to sit down and see four Batman movies with with three different versions of Batman in it. So in anybody's wildest dreams, did you ever think when 2016 hit that you – had the availability to see not one, not two, but three, but four Batman movies, and just kind of wanted to go around the room and just ask everyone like what you thought of the year of Batman, as it were. Because this was a pretty big year with, with DVDs and all the BVS and Suicide Squad merchandise. Batman has been everywhere this year in many different forms. And I thought it was just a really cool thing that I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. I guess it it very well could with next year. Uh, just what are your guys' thoughts on 2016 and just having Batman in the theater, as it were? Let's uh, start with you, Terrence. Yeah, it's it's kind of a little bittersweet because it was great to have it, but then it wasn't quite as critically and um, accepted, and, and the fans, you know, the hardcore fans were into it, but um, it wasn't quite as loved by everybody but i think you know the thing everybody took away from what we saw in the at least the suicide squad and the um batman v superman is they loved where ben affleck was going with batman and they so from that perspective the future looks really bright for what's to come and i think probably as terms of batman goes the like the shining star of all of it wasn't even the movies but that justice league trailer with that kind of showed like 
I don't know, Ben Affleck, you know, Bruce Wayne slash Batman being the centerpiece of the movie, putting the team together, uh, you know, the interaction with Aquaman. I know you can have a great looking trailer and the movie can disappoint. That, that trailer looked really good for and it looked really good for Batman fans. The Killing Joke and the uh, Cape Crusaders, I wasn't even expecting that to be out in theaters, you know, at the start of the year. So that was just kind of like the cherry on top. And um, hearing Mark Hamill's I, I was a big fan of The Killing Joke. I, I really liked that. I know some people didn't like it. And that's like a, maybe a discussion for another day. But hearing Mark Hamill's performance like through the sound system in a quality theater uh, was I, I mean, that that was amazing. That was just so good. And even um, they had like a documentary about the making of it before the movie and just hearing him talk about star Wars and the Joker and that, that was just fantastic. So, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> how many like superlatives can I use in one like <laughs> comment of, here? But yeah, I, you know, the thing that too, I, I think about is it kind of like, like 89 Batman was, you know, a huge, you know, phenomenon and everybody loved it. It was, it was great, but it could have gone away too. Like there's been a lot of things that have been huge for a year or two or a couple years and, and gone away. And I think with Batman of being around so long in the comics and, uh, now just, you know, like it's, it's, it's just so solidified that it's never going to go away. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's going to be here. Even if we do get a bad movie or we get another, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> you know, esque type movie, you know, it, it'll come back. It'll bounce back. Someone else, it'll always attract the top talent, the top writers, the top artists, the top directors will want to, you know, play in that Batman sandbox. And when you have the top artists and talent, it, it's always going to be fresh and good. So I, I, I take that away as like, it, it's here to stay. Well, what about you, Andy? Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of an embarrassment of riches this year in that uh, it, it's so true. We knew we were going to get two theatrical films, and I, before the year even started, we were all like, oh, God, that's never happened before. What a, you know, what a great time to be a Batman fan. Uh, we're going to see Batman in two movies in one year uh, because at that point, we didn't know Killing Joke was going theatrical. We didn't know Return of the Cape Crusaders was going theatrical. So, yeah, to get four, I, I'm trying to think – Yes, theoretically, that's possible to happen again, but I can't think of the circumstances that would really make that happen anytime soon. Because uh, even, you know, if you're looking at 17, yeah, you know, you've got the Justice League film and maybe Batman will make a quick little cameo in Wonder Woman. But are there two animated films that would have enough clout to go theatrical next year? Probably not. Um It'll be really tar. It'll be it'll be years, I think, before we get to do this again. So it was a really nice treat to be able to go to the movie theater uh, and see Batman on the big screen in many different ways. And so, depending on you know your preferences and on how you enjoyed each of those four outings, uh, <laughs> at least there's a little something for everybody. You know, I know I was there opening night for all four um, and and had a great time. So it was just kind of a banner year for us, which was which was really cool. And I, I love what you said, Terrence, and that it's it's easy now to take for granted that Batman will always be around, but that didn't necessarily have to be the case. Uh, you know, after Batman '66 came and went. And, you know, we've all heard Michael Uslan talk about how hard it was to try and get anyone to be interested in Batman again because they're like, oh, that 60s thing? Nobody cares about that. that nobody wants to see that as a movie. Um, it wasn't all that long ago that 
that Batman was considered a risk. And now to have him be such a pop culture mainstay that he's, you know, he's as close to a guarantee as, as you can get. Um, it's great to know that there will always be something coming. So yeah, for me, I, I just like to look at it and go, God, how lucky are we? How lucky are we to get that much Batman uh, in a movie theater in one year? Not even talking about the massive amounts of uh, of other things we get in media and video games and comic books and everything else. Um, oh, 17 was Lego Batman. I forgot about that yeah. before. Yeah. Good, good point uh, that no one made, but I made in my head. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, but I was like, oh, yeah, Lego Batman, duh. Uh, but I guess that just speaks to there is so much stuff that, like, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to forget even even yeah. one of the bigger ones that's coming in just a couple of months. So uh, it's it's crazy how how – you know that we live in a world where we get so much of this this stuff and i again not that long ago talked about christmas of 89 uh i didn't know when i would ever get to see a sequel to batman 89 those three years felt like forever and now i just have to wait a few months they still feel like forever um but it's (laughs) that window has gotten so much shorter and i i just think it's it's pretty awesome that we live in a world where that's the case yeah ryan well, you just think about just like Andy was saying. Think, I am so glad that it's almost come full circle. That Batman is just such a malleable character that I've always kind of felt that way. But it's nice to to see it, you know, so outwardly portrayed in these theatrical releases. Think about the variety from Batman v Superman to the Killing Joke being translated in, in you know into animation to Batman the 60s Batman coming back in such a glorious way with the original voice actors and everything. I mean that's it's just kind of crazy and like you guys were saying I don't think that even if this does happen again I think it would be they'd be hard pressed to come up with and this um I'm so many films that you know, showed all these different sides of Batman from the comics to the old TV shows to, you know, the current cinematic adaptations. I think it's, it's pretty great. You know, I'm not going to lie and say that this year has been without flaws. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely been pretty testing on a fandom. I think, you know, with Batman v Superman and it's, it's been a fun experience. And one thing I wanted to kind of ask you guys, did everybody, was everybody able to see all four of these films in the theater? Uh, I saw all but uh, 66 uh, uh, Batman. I had to resort to seeing it on uh, DVD when it uh, came out. Just didn't have the time mm. available. Yeah, yeah. For same me, here. I, go ahead. Oh, same here. I didn't. I didn't get to see 66, but I saw the other ones. I, I committed to all four. Uh, I was like, I want. I want. I want to reward WB for releasing these uh, yeah. animated ones in the theater, and uh, so I'm gonna go. So yeah, I did. I did all four. Yeah, that's great. And. You know, I, I did too, and it was for the same reason because I, I was I felt like well this isn't going to happen for a while, and the '60s film was definitely the hardest one to see. I had to drive like an hour away to Springfield to see that thing, but it was it was totally worth it to see it in the theater. So it was it was it was really good. I think that's how it was for the '66 with me. I think it was that was a Monday too, right? If I remember correct, I knew it was, <laughs> yeah, it was like Monday. Yeah. And I remember and only um, my local theater, which was 15 minutes away, showed The Killing Joke when we had bought tickets uh, to another city that was like 45 minutes away. And I was like, tell my wife, we, we got to go to this. She's like, oh, it's a Monday night. 
and then last minute my theater got notification they were going to do it. So it was just like, oh, we get off work, come home real quick, go in. But then in looking at it, it was another 45 minutes to an hour for the 66 film. And that day was just so long. I really, really yeah. wanted to go. But I it was that hard justification of like, that's an hour and change there and back. And it put a, a longer spin on you know the next day. So that that was the one that I just really regret. I remember seeing the tweets. I think I even saw uh, you, Andy, and Holy Batcast, and seeing just tweets from different people. I'm like, oh, it sounds like it was so good, you know, that I that I missed out. And then I I was a stickler. I didn't watch it digitally when it came out because I wanted the physical copy. So it felt like it took yeah. even longer before I got to watch mm-hmm. it. But yeah, it it was worth the wait. You know, as the Killing Joke. I mean that. The kill, in my opinion, the Killing Joke portion is really good, but the but the intro part is just terrible. But I do think seeing it in a theater definitely enhanced the experience. Like definitely for me, like I was in a pa- absolutely packed theater, and the audience really responded to it. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's that. The cool thing for me was going and just seeing all the people in the theater and just feeling like, wow, you you like this stuff as much as I do. Like you're willing to come here on a Monday and you know and 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 have this experience. So it's kind of cool to to see the other people who are really into it as well. The cool thing about that Killing Joke experience, like going to see Batman versus Superman or even Suicide Squad, you knew, okay, there's some people that are only going because, hey, there's a Batman movie. You know, that's Mm -hmm. that's just kind of what you do. It's like, I saw Captain America the other night, so now I'm going to go see Batman. That's just kind of the par for the course. But going and sitting in the Killing Joke, you knew you were sitting around people that knew the source material, that that were there because they got it because it was a Monday. It was the only, the only thing it wasn't like my friends that I've gone to see every single Marvel movie with and star Wars and other Batman movies, because that's what you do. Those guys didn't know about it unless I said, Hey, there's a Batman movie that's animated. And eh, I don't want to go see it. They just dismissed. It. I said, it's a killing joke. They're like, what is it? That light goes off. It's like, not that they don't get it, but I know they they wouldn't get it, wouldn't appreciate it. But sitting in the theater, I felt even more connected to the people around you that you knew the parts that were coming up like, Oh, how are they going to do this? And the jokes worked really well. And of course you got the grunt and groans the first half hour of it. People were like, Oh my gosh. You know, then once the movie started, you could kind of see people kind of go, Oh, okay. It's <laughs> we're, we're through that. But that, that experience, I can only imagine it was probably the same for the 66 that there was, that difference of this isn't just a normal movie. This was, it felt more like an event that Bat fans had. They never thought they were going to get. So I thought that was cool. Did you guys have that experience with '66 and uh, Killing Joke? Andy? I, I did. I did with the Killing Joke for sure. Like I said, it was a packed theater, and, and you know, I think maybe I was the only one that was groaning in that first part. A lot of the rest of the uh, people in the theater really seemed to be kind of liking it, and I was like, "Really, this isn't really good." But, <laughs> but, but definitely once the Killing Joke stuff started, everybody was really into it. Really quiet. Uh, there was actually a family that sat right behind me, and they had like a very young child there, and I was like, "Don't they know those things rated R?" I don't think. And I'm like, "Oh, and he's going to ruin it for me and stuff." And but, but he was actually like really quiet and just watched the whole thing, and he was probably traumatized by the time it was over. But he didn't, but he didn't ruin my experience, so it's all good. Um, Batman 66 was was sadly a little different, but I, I think because of two things. First, I had to drive an hour away to Springfield, and I saw a 10 
p.m. show, and oh. there was probably only about five people in the theater oh, well. compared compared to a, a full house for Killing Joke. But but for me, it was still it was still fun to see it on the big screen. Yeah, and I think I had a very similar uh, uh, experience. Killing Joke was packed; it was crazy, and I don't think anybody, even DC or Warner Brothers, expected the turnout for that to be what mm-hmm. it was. Um, and so it was neat that it was it, it was such an event because I don't think you know. We didn't know what to expect. Of course, within nerd circles, we all know the killing joke. We were going to show up, but uh, I think it took everyone by surprise how many other people were willing to pay to go see it in a movie theater. Um, whereas when I went and saw Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders, the movie theater, it was a tiny theater. And even so, it was pretty sparse in there, you know, maybe 20 people. Uh, so. It's a shame that that one didn't feel as much event because I feel like that movie would have played better to a full house, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with with the laughs and, and stuff as opposed to the killing joke, which is kind of grim and, and unpleasant. So you don't get as yeah. much uh, reaction from the audience with that. Uh, but even so, it was you know still worthwhile seeing both of them on the big screen. Excellent. Cool. I do want to uh, just kind of get a ranking uh, out of these four films. Which one did you enjoy the most? We don't have to go on the reason. Just kind of, you know, what your favorites uh, were. So I'm going to go Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, The Killing Joke, and uh, Batman 66. What about you, Terrence? Uh, I go Suicide Squad 1, uh, Killing Joke 2, uh, 66 3, and... Uh, <laughs> BVS uh, is, yeah, unfortunately has to be on the list, so <laughs> five. <laughs> oh, five? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it, this one's a little tough because I'm trying to – I'm not sure if I need to rank them on you know, how I felt about them at the time or how I'm going to – how I. but what I did was I, I ranked them um, according to how I feel like – how often I'm going to revisit them in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, now that some time has passed since all, we have, we've seen all four of them, and I think I will probably rank them like this. I think I'm going to rank BBS first, even though I have problems with it. And it's weird because, you know, Andy, you know, like this is the first podcast we've done together, but it feels like we've talked about Batman versus Superman for hours. <laughs> just <laughs> on Twitter, it's just ridiculous how much you know we've kind of gone back and forth about it. But but I think. I think that's for good reason. You know, even though BBS is very contentious, I I still see myself going back and you know watching it over and over again, th- trying trying my darndest to find things I like in it, which I have. Um, so I'm going to rank BBS first. Uh, I'm going to rank 66 second, just because it's such a great love letter to not just the 60s Batman, but to Batman in general. Um, and Suicide Squad and Killing Joke are probably pretty equal to me, um, but I'll probably rank uh, Suicide Squad third and Killing Joke fourth. Andy, nice, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think I think I would have to go BVS first, um, and I think I think kind of to what Ryan was saying in that it's there's just more to chew on and yeah. and more to discuss, and I think that at the at the end of the day, that's the one I'm most intrigued with and the one i see myself revisiting the most uh number two would be uh, suicide squad i think just for for pure entertainment value um then batman return to the cape crusaders and then for me killing joke is a is dead last i was <laughs> i was very let down okay. yeah all right cool that's going to end our uh, two topics we had and now we will go to our main topic batman noel 
All right, Batman Noel. Uh, this is a book that has always been on my radar, and I had always wanted to read. I heard good things about it. I heard good things about Libra Mayo's Joker, which still I have never read to this day. And it's it's on my. Boo. I know. I, I have a. <laughs> I can do a podcast on the books I haven't read, and just sit back mm-hmm. and have other people <laughs> tell me you need to read this book. Uh, Dark. We, we all could. Don't feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, There's hey, almost. Hold on. I know, I know, don't, but, but you know what? I, I've listened to the latest episode of Holy Batcast, I just gotta say, and I know you guys are doing The Dark Knight Returns next, which yeah. I'm very, I'm very happy about that, because that'll give Rob a reason to get off his butt and read it for the first time. Yes, uh, and I, oh. I, I was gonna plug that, uh, oh, that Holy Batcast. I didn't know, was, I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't know you had to so, that one. I ha- Yeah, I know. So now <laughs> you might have to change your comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Rob, you my, are my point was just there are so many comic books out there. We can't have read them all, but the Dark Knight Returns yeah, is I kind know. of okay. I know. I and my my Sorry, only Rob. thing that I that I've ever said I always had a hard time with Elseworld Batman stories for the longest time, and mm-hmm. reading Batman Noel, it's like you're dipping your toe in the water. And I own the Dark Knight. Um, and I'm still collecting uh, the DK3. I haven't read those yet. So I think it's one of those, like, I'm just kind of wanting to binge read all of the DK stuff. So that's been my excuse for so long. But I, I need to, to to jump the jump over the wall, as it were, and uh, start reading some of this stuff. Because I think I'm it's, missing out. And, and I th- yeah, and the good thing is, is that I, if you do binge read it, it'll actually help you. Because... Uh, getting through the Dark Knight Returns is is going to be pretty easy and fantastic, and that'll get you pumped up for the disappointment of the <laughs> Dark Knight Two, yeah, oh, which which is pretty darn terrible. But the good thing is, is it's kind of a quick read once you've you know gotten through it, and then you can just move on to Dark Knight Three, which I think so far is really it's it's really fun so far. Cool. Well, I agree. It's a nice rebound. Good. Yeah. That, that that's good to hear, and I've I've been collecting the collector's edition with the you know Jim Lee sketch covers, and w- once mm-hmm. the eighth one comes out, it's gonna be a nice slipcase or ninth or ninth, yeah, or ninth, yeah, that way it sounds now. So yep. and then you can read Watchmen fine. Uh, yeah, read Watchmen, Watchmen fine. What? I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Rob, <laughs> oh, what's oh. happening? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be kicked off every podcast, every nerd cast that there is out there, every geek cast because my credentials are only so small. I've got a lot of action figures, but that's not helping me on podcasts <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, I'm getting kicked off my own show so many times it hurts. <laughs> but Batman Noel came out on November second, two thousand eleven, and I'll read the credits here that I'm using from Wikipedia. Uh, but the Lieber Mayhew is basically taking care of everything. His writer, artist, inker, uh, the letters are Todd Klein, and the colorist is Barbara. I always hate reading these names. Barbara Cardario, if I'm saying that right. And this was his uh, second uh, graphic novel coming off the um, Heath Ledger-inspired uh, Joker series that he did. The quick little uh, synopsis here is uh, Batman Noel's an original graphic novel written and illustrated by Lieber Mayhew's previous work for the Joker. It is based on Charles Dickens' 
Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol and features characters from both Dickens and Batman mythos like the Joker. The story is narrated by one of the clown prince of crimes, henchmen. So uh, right off the top, I just kind of wanted to get from everybody uh, when you first read it or was your first time reading it in uh, preparation for the podcast and just your overall impressions of it. And then we can kind of uh, dissect some of the things uh, in the book. Let's start with you, Terrence. Yeah, uh, so uh, the first time I kind of was on my radar was when it came out, and I don't think Ryan was on the Batman on Film podcast yet, but I I remember them talking about – were you on there in 2011? Not yet, right? No, no, no. I started started early this year, actually. Okay, yeah. It's like a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So – but they were talking about how great it was and uh, how great the artwork and everything was. So it kind of put it on my radar to want to get it, and I actually got it for Christmas – um, it was a Christmas gift from my in-laws. Uh, they had given it to me, and they were very nervous about it. Like, is that the right one? There's a lot of books. Is this the right book? <laughs> um, and it was one of those books, the first time I read it, it was kind of hard to kind of digest and figure out. And it, it was confusing. But then the second time I read it, like it was kind of like, okay, this is really good. And then I hadn't read it in a while, but I read it again um, this morning in preparation for this podcast and, and really, really enjoyed it again. Uh, Andy. Uh, well, the first time I read this was was God. It was so long ago. It was yesterday. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that. And and that is is absolutely because of this podcast. I I had heard of the book, um, and I was aware of it, and I knew what it was. So just I guess just from conversations and and whatever. So I I knew what it was. I knew oh Batman Noel. It's it's the Batman version of a Christmas Carol. I know that, but I had never gotten around to reading it. And so this was a great thing to give me the little kick in the ass I needed to read the book. And uh, so, yeah, I, I hunkered down yesterday and put on some Christmas music and uh, and read it and, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed myself. But it was funny because I was sitting there reading it and my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like reading comic books. And she's like, what are you reading? She was trying to take an interest. It was adorable. Um, and I was like, I was like, it's called Batman Noel. And she's like, what's that? And I go, well, it's a Batman graphic novel. That's a Christmas Carol. And she's like, that sounds right up your alley because anybody who knows me knows that not only do I love Batman, I also love Christmas. And when I can combine Batman and Christmas, it's amazing. So, uh, so yeah, I am glad that this finally gave me the, uh, the motivation to finally break down and read this because uh, I thought it was awesome. I don't know if that was spoilery, but um, uh, I had read the Joker uh, prior to this and uh, I enjoyed that the Joker graphic novel. So it was cool to revisit uh, Bermejo's version of Batman. Uh, Ryan. I have been a fan of Lee Bermejo for quite a while. And if you just going back to the days of, uh, you know, on Batman on film, it's what I remember first being exposed to his work when he, he made some, uh, you know, uh, illustrations of for Batman on film of what the Joker or Two Face could look like in you know future Nolan films before those films came out and they were really good. Um, and I remember getting Joker when it first came out and just being blown away by it. You know, the art and the writing it was it was just really good, really different. You know, it's and that's kind of kind of a barometer I look at when I read graphic novels is is uh, is it something different than the standard regular comic, you know, they can be a little bit more complex and complicated. It's it, and they can be a little bit heavier with the story and they can't be, they don't have to be something that are, that's so digestible as a normal, you know, 
weekly, monthly comic or whatever. And but uh, but yeah, I really remember really enjoying Joker. And a few years later, when I heard that Noel was being announced, I was really excited about it because not only was Bermejo going to be doing art, but he was also writing this. And I was very intrigued by that because sometimes when writers do that or when artists become writers, it's always fun to see what happens. Turn out really good. Sometimes it turn out not so great. But uh, but in most cases, it's because they gen- genuinely have something to say, you know, with their art. And um, Batman Noel was totally great. When and when I heard the concept behind it, you know, a Christmas Carol told through the lens of Batman, I just thought it was a brilliant idea because Batman can, can be a very Dickensian kind of. Uh, thing on both a character level and a visual level, which I'm sure we can get to when we talk about the book. But uh, yeah, I first read it when it came out in, I guess, November of 2011. I can't believe it's been five years. Um, and I probably haven't read it until just yesterday. Um, and, you know, spoilers after reading it, I just, I, I, I kind of think it's cemented as kind of a, like a modern classic, honestly, of Batman graphic novels. Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed that I hadn't read it up till now. My, uh, I knew it was out there, and it was always one of those that I was like telling my wife, "Oh, I, I need I need to pick this up." And I always thought about it around the Christmas season, like, "Oh, I I need to do this." And I remember last year, uh, the last Christmas episode I did, I did Sleigh Ride the Robin one-off uh, Joker uh, kidnapping story. That my original intention was to do Noel. Then I I just happened to have Slayer. I thought, oh, that that'll be good. I'll, I'll just do this and I'll save Noel for you know the new year. And I just kept going into the bookstores and never getting it. But my first real exposure to it was to Batman Arkham Origins, as it was a DLC skin. Once you completed the game, you unlock the Batman Noel skin. I thought, what a cool looking bat suit. It's you know very much. A normal Batman suit, but something that really grabbed me is the way that the bat emblem was kind of infused from the suit and then kind of went back into the rest of the cape and cowl. I thought that was really cool. And a little geeky thing looked like he had a keychain, is the wrong word, but these little hoops and key rings on his belt and had buckles and other snaps and things. I thought it just looked so cool. And the detail work in Bermejo's art of the suit is. I wouldn't say it's photorealistic, but it it just has that detail. Yeah, it has that it's, detail. It's really it. damn close. Yeah, <laughs> uh, in, in it's some, like a flight suit. I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's a very good like. Well, this is how this suit could operate and function. You know, it, it has this cool look to it. You know, it looks like well, this could keep Batman warm in snow, but also he can move and kick someone's butt in it too. You know, it's got a really cool look to it. And to tie the suit back into. Our previous topic. I don't know if you guys remember when before we got the first pictures of Ben Affleck. I think it. I want to say it was like a month or two before there was images going around of somebody dressed up in a version of the suit and going, "Here's the first image of Ben Affleck in mm-hmm. the bat suit," and they're basing it off the Noel suit. And I was like, "Cool, I'm I'm sold." You know, that really wanted me to go uh, pick this up. And of course, you know. That that wasn't the case, and I think the suit that we got worked even better on screen. But I wouldn't have been disappointed for one moment if they had used this suit. Uh, after finishing this book, uh, this suit has kind of gone up the ladder into one of my favorite bat suits. And just I think just the way the book's art is presented, you can 
I was getting lost in reading the book. It took me a lot longer to read than probably what it should have, just because I was, I just got lost in the artwork that is in this book. And I thought, you know, like you said, Ryan, sometimes a writer that's doing the art at the same time, you can go, okay, which one of the two is going to suffer in mm-hmm. this? And I don't want to kind of poke at Tony Daniels, but sometimes his writing and art, one of the two is going to suffer. And that was kind of evident in the new 52 detective comics that he was churning out some really good art, but I felt like the story was suffering. Mm -hmm. But I think because this is a one shot graphic novel, I'm sure he probably had a timetable, but he, you could tell he took time in writing the story and you can just see that the time he spent on the art and I was just really kind of blown away. So like Andy said, spoilers, I, I really enjoyed this. And uh, I agree with Ryan. I think this can turn into an instant classic. And there's going to be, you know, there's always the Christmas Batman videos that you watch every year, like some animated series stuff or Batman Returns. It's set at Christmas time. This is going to be one of those books at Christmas time I'm going to want to read every year just to get me in the mood for the holidays. Um, so let's uh, we'll go around the room here. What do you guys think of uh, the art overall? Then we can kind of uh, jump into uh, the story itself. Terrence. Yeah, I, th- I think the art is absolutely amazing. Uh, I love this. I, I can't believe it's it's drawn with a pencil and not painted. Um, and I love how um, in the back it, it um, has a few pages that show some of the uh, like sketches and drawings and has some commentary by Lee Bermejo about how he did it and what he was thinking, especially on the uh, Catwoman suit. Um, the thing that, you know, uh, blows me away is as you mentioned with the suit and just the fabrics like all, all the characters the clothing they're wearing like the the batman suit looks so realistic because he kind of gets all these little wrinkles and just the natural way that like if you you know like uh, put your foot down in a boot how like just just your toes how the boot would like you know crink and wrinkle and um the capes and uh, the different fabrics between Batman's suit and Catwoman's suit and um, Superman's suit. And then I, I um, love the Robin costume in this um, and sort of the classic Batman and um, then the Joker. And what's funny is it's it's probably one of the most realistic drawn comics in one of the most um, – uh, what should I say, like phantasical or fan? I don't even know if that's a word, but like the most, you know, like it, it's the the least realistical Batman story about you know ghosts and Christmas past and these kinds of things. Yet it's it's grounded with the most realistic art. And I I love that that contrast. I think it's really great. So the art, I would give it a ten out of ten, ten plus. I, I love the art. Excellent, Andy. Yeah, I gotta agree. Um, I haven't read tons of Bermejo, uh, uh, the big one being the the Joker graphic novel. So this immediately took me back to that, and I forgot how realistic his his artwork is and how how gorgeous it looks. Um, you know, I I think you nailed it when you said that the suit almost looks real. It almost looks like a photograph, and I think that that's true for the whole thing. But I think that uh, the artwork throughout is 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 beautiful. Everybody looks like a real person i mean even superman looks so real in this and uh and the way they kind of try to create the costumes so that they look more functional instead of just looking like uh spandex or tights or whatever i think it, it's done so incredibly well and just the the coloring it, it it gives a very wintry feel and um i was very impressed with it um 
so yeah, I think that overall the designs are great, and uh, you know because this is a Robin podcast, and and you just brought up the the Robin suit, I thought it was a great take on the Robin costume as well, like very faithful but a little more functional, you know, give him some pants, and uh, I think it looks great. So I think the artwork is gorgeous. Well, one thing I really like about the art sometimes when art is very realistic, like. Um, Alex Ross or even Jim Lee, it becomes very static. It becomes like you're looking at posters or covers and there's not a lot of movement. Mm -hmm. And the thing I love in this is there's a lot of movement. Like you just feel like Batman and Catwoman chasing each other on the um, rooftops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like when the dad comes rushing into the room after he's been at a confrontation with the Joker and even at the end, the, the scene with the Joker and all that there. And I think a lot of it has to do with how he drew the fabrics and the movement and the fabrics. So I, I just wanted to add that in about the art. I think I stole one of Ryan's parts. So sorry, Ryan. <laughs> no, no, no. That's OK. I mean, I probably wouldn't have mentioned that, but I'm glad you did, because even though a lot of his artwork is very realistic, that. I mean, he sacrificed, you know, style or form or like any of the good, you know, sequential storytelling, you know, kinds of things you can do in a comic book. Like there's this one page with the with the Catwoman stuff that is just so incredibly dynamic. You know, it's just like a perfect meld of like technique and storytelling. It's it's just absolutely excellent. It's definitely one reason to buy, you know, a graphic novel is, is good art. And this one definitely has it in spades. You know, and and not only that is it's it's just very cinematic in its storytelling too. You know, especially if you even if you look at the very beginning of the story, it kind of you kind of get sucked in really quickly just reading it. The way it starts at the top of the sky and works its way down, and you get the you go down down into Gotham City, and then and then bam, Batman gets onto frame. Like I can see that happen in a movie or something. You know, it's just very cinematic in the way that it take kind of takes you into the story. And another thing that I really like too is um, I think Andy mentioned this is is the colors. The colors are just mm-hmm. so good. They don't they don't really detract from the art either. They and it pulls back when it needs to, and it's front and center when it needs to be too. And overall, I think it has a very HDR, you know, high dynamic range kind of quality to it. It can be very very saturated and blown out, um, and it kind of gives it a but it's good. It gives it this good – it's a good complement to the realistic it, uh, you know, pencils. It, it kind of gives it this hyper-realistic quality to it, and it, and it goes into overdrive in some of the more fantastical parts. You know, like we get into more of the story when you see Superman, and he, Superman's supposed to you know, be kind of like the ghost of Christmas present or something. He looks you know, a little bit more larger than life, you know, and that's for a reason. So, yeah, the art is just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I I just be re, would be repeating what everybody else has said. It's just uh, I think I said earlier, just getting I can get lost in the art, and like you said, it pulls back when it needs to. And um, I, I'm going to continue to repeat it. I feel like it moves and it flows so well from like rooftop chase scenes or Batman jumping down uh, onto Bob and the money falling. Um, you can. You almost get the sense of of it moving. Like, did did, I, did he draw the panel of the money and the and the box falling? And did I see him put the tracker on Bob? That's just it's done very very well. Um, uh, the story itself, it, I think, it really mixes uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol uh, very well in with the Batman story that it's telling. And I, by the time you get to the end of it, you get the uh, or the takeaway that 
I'm getting from it, it's uh, obviously Bob talking about from what he's remembering of the events that have happened. He's telling this uh, to his to his son Tim, which uh, that's as close as we're going to get to hearing <laughs> Tim in this podcast. And I remember as I was reading it, like, is this going to turn out to be Tim Drake? And now it doesn't. It's it's, it's obviously Timmy. <laughs> so that's as close to as you get on this podcast there, although uh, Mr. Drake. although. Rob, although the Robin character, even though it it seems like it's Dick Grayson, it's never mentioned by name, and you get the impression that this Robin character is no longer with us, and so the only currently dead Robin, quote unquote dead, would be Tim Drake. So it could be Tim Drake in this book. <laughs> I mean, in 2011, bro. It's got it's got to be it's got to be Jason. It's got to be Jason. But I did read this in 2016, so... <laughs> exactly. It's a timeless well, classic. I guess, conti- yeah. I guess continuity is a state of mind. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, Andy had mentioned about uh, the Robin costume. You know, He gave him pants here. Uh, Bermejo did update the Robin costume. Um, Fourth World Comics out of New York, I think that's where they're located, did a variant cover for All-Star Batman. And mm-hmm. it's the noel version of this and i got both the color and black and white and the robin is in shorts but he's wearing knee pads and uh boots um it's not it's almost kind of like the bvs costume a little bit uh black cape yellow underlining looks really cool and at first it was like oh he's just wearing knee pads instead of pants but the suit looks looks really cool but this version of a suit works really well um it I think there's so much to go uh, through the story. Uh, we're already an hour and some change uh, into this podcast. So I kind of wanted to go through just through some of the beats here um, of the story. Uh, Ryan had already uh, mentioned it a little bit. Uh, what do you guys think of the use of uh, Catwoman, Superman, and the Joker being uh, used as the ghost of Christmas present, Christmas past, and uh, Christmas future? Let's start with uh, Andy. Well, I I will tell you, like, just to go back a step is what I knew. Again, I knew the premise going into this and I expected it to be. I thought I knew what I expected it to be being like, oh, mm-hmm. OK, you know, Batman will be visited by three ghosts. Got it. Uh, but I got to say that the the execution is a heck of a lot more uh, creative and nuanced than I expected. I thought it was going to be a much more literal translation, but I liked that Bermejo really um, took an angle on it and so that it works as an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, but it also just works as a standalone Batman adventure, um, almost to the point where I feel like if you took the narration away and presented it as is – it would be fun to see who would pick up on the fact that it's a Christmas carol. Yeah, oh yeah. Because it's not done in a super hyper literal way. It's done very creatively and and making it work. So uh, first of all, I just wanted to say that that I was really impressed with uh, the route that they took in in putting a new spin on on a Christmas carol that we have now seen done uh, umpteenth times in in God's everything that you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I loved the choices they made of of who was. The ghost of Christmas past, uh, present, and yet to come. I thought that was such a. Uh, they picked the right people for all of it, and even the choice to use Jason Todd as the Marley character. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that coming. I didn't going in. I didn't try to guess who would be who. I just. I much prefer to just see it as it comes. Uh, but I was like, oh, great! 
Jason Todd as Marley. Oh, that's really interesting. And then to see how Catwoman uh, forced him to reflect on the past and then Superman forced him to reflect on the present. I think Superman for me where I works the best because he is the most similar to the ghost of Christmas present and flying him around the city and showing him mm-hmm. – uh, giving him a peek into the lives of the people in his life. I thought that that was so well done. And just the, the glow that Superman has in this story and in the artwork, it's so reminiscent of, of the classic ghost of Christmas present. So I think that it was, it was a really, uh, it was the right choice for all of them. And I also uh, thought it was really creative how the Joker was, was the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And yet, uh, it wasn't that Batman followed him uh, voluntarily. It was that he was literally drugged into <laughs> a cemetery and dumped into a grave while unconscious. I thought that was a, another really great spin on it. Um, and along with the corresponding narration of, I don't know, if a ghost were to point me to a cemetery, I wouldn't just follow. Uh, and so <laughs> this kind of gives a little rationale for for why that happened anyway. So I think that the, the choices of the three ghosts was was apropos. I thought it was it was really creative. Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to just echo pretty much all of that. I mean, all three characters that were chosen to, you know, be avatars for the ghosts um, were, were done very well and very intentionally, I think. I mean, in a lot of the Christmas Carol adaptations, uh, the ghost of Christmas past um, can is often portrayed as a woman. So I think it was pretty clever for him to choose Catwoman. And not only that, and she she's a good person to pick because, you know, her and Batman do have kind of a, a history together. And it's and it was a especially in the book, you can see how they kind of um, harken back to like, well, these are better times. And he was a different man earlier in his life and things like that. And and Superman is is definitely a great avatar for the ghost of Christmas present, because, um, again, in in the Christmas Carol, he is often kind of the most similar he's similar to Santa Claus the way he's kind of portrayed and acts and they even make an allusion to that earlier in Batman Noel where Tim kind of says that Superman is kind of like Santa but better or something like that yeah. so it's kind of foreshadowing the fact that you'll see Superman later in that role so he definitely works really well in that role and and Joker is is definitely He's great as the ghost of Christmas yet to come because it's the Grim Reaper kind of person and he just shows up out of nowhere, grinning, grinning skull, you know, <laughs> and and he takes and and like Andy was saying, um, Bermejo at points is not afraid to take liberties from the story um, when talking about some of these characters. I think he even says like, well, that doesn't make sense that the ghost of Christmas yet to come wouldn't say anything. And, and then so that's a good excuse to let Joker talk later in the story. So. And then there's – and beyond the Christmas Carol comparisons, there's some really good stuff in there um, about you know, Batman's relationship to some of these people. There's a line in there uh, from Batman and Superman that kind of perfectly encapsulates s- a certain parts of their relationship when Batman tells Superman that he looks down on people and Superman responds and he says, yeah, but not in the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, That says yeah. so much about their relationship that in like two lines, it's just masterful. And then there's a line from Gordon later on where he talks about, you know, his function in terms of um, of Batman, about how Gordon thinks he's the prescription that Batman needs to see clearly between the line between good and evil. I mean, it's great. It's it it, it just not only harkens to Batman, but 
really perfectly ties into a lot of the morals and themes of A Christmas Carol, too. So, yeah, it's just a great story. Uh, Terrence? Yeah, you know, if, if somebody said, hey, write a, a Christmas Carol with Bruce Wayne as the Scrooge character, and who would you pick for Marley and the Three Ghosts? I don't know if it would... I, it would even come to me to do Robin, Catwoman, Superman, and Joker, but having read it, it seems perfect now. You know, it it, it just worked really well, and I, I liked I liked how the narration a lot of times didn't match what was on the page, like the like were you know exactly like specifically it was the narration was very much a Christmas Carol, and then the mm-hmm. scenes were very much you know Batman and Gotham City, and I liked how the you know the Robin character. Well, maybe we'll, we'll say which Robin it was later. Uh, <laughs> it the, uh, was kind of it was done very quickly. You know, like that could have been ten, twelve pages of him telling him. You know, because in the play and in the story, it's 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 a lot bigger scene. You know, but it was done real quick. Um, and uh, I liked you know how it's kind of hard if, if you think about the ghost of Christmas past because in a Christmas Carol, Scrooge. You know, when he was an, a young man, early 20s, was a decent guy and he was at the party and he's dancing and he's having fun and he's got, you know, a love interest. And then he, through his own actions, turns his back on all that for greed and business and and whatnot, um, where Bruce never really had that from the moment his yeah. parents were murdered. You know, you could have looked back and say, oh, well, when he was 20. So by kind of drawing on sort of the 66 Batman and that sort of uh, more lighthearted Batman and even the the different costume is kind of a mix of the Bermejo and the uh, Batman 66 and Batman even kind of has like a little bit of a smirk and a smile when he's punching the penguin. I thought that was a good way Mm -hmm. to kind of hearken on like better days. And then, um, yeah, Superman was great. I I, I don't even know if I would have brought Superman in or thought of it till you see him. Um, my only question with Superman, and I know it's a, a fantasy story, but he says he hears Batman coughing, you know, all the way from Metropolis, and then he can't hear the Batmobile explode. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a fairy tale. Yeah, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> the, the ghosts, it's not real, you know. But still, that, that makes me chuckle. And then, yeah, the, you know, um, I haven't really read a Christmas Carol in a really, really long time, but um, my family and I have seen productions of it. Uh, recently in the last couple of years several times and you know the end with the the ghost of christmas past is always very chilling and it's usually you know he yeah. says nothing and it's like you said grim reaper uh and so the joker and the way the joker's portrayed is perfect because normally you know the joker's telling stupid jokes or laughing or you know gags or and it's not it's just he's and there's one little scene where, where um, he's dragging Batman and you see the, the cemetery uh, gates shadow on them. And he's kind of like saying like, he, 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 but that's it. The rest of it is like just silence and just dragging <laughs> mm-hmm. him and dumping him in and, and that like grin and then the hallucination. So, um, and then it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's kind of that sad, like what's Bruce's life going to be like, you know, is it auction off his stuff? The manor's empty. There's no legacy. So, um, yeah, uh, perfect. I guess casting you would say for the ghosts. But I want to I want to piggyback on something you said just because I thought it was really interesting is is the fact that the narration is very much a traditional Christmas Carol uh, juxtaposed with what 
is actually happening with Batman and Gotham and 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 at the beginning of the story because this was the first time I had read it that threw me off a little bit I kept waiting yeah. for it to be a little more straightforward I didn't quite pick up on what he was doing at the moment I was like oh this is going to become a I'm like I'm just waiting for Bruce to go to bed and then he'll mm-hmm. get visited by three ghosts um and then I realized kind of what was happening, and I was like, oh, wow, that was really interesting. And then I started seeing the, the, the whole story in a completely different way. But that very beginning where you you don't really know what's coming yet and how they're choosing to tell the story, it was interesting how how the, the narration was very different from what you were actually seeing and how you were seeing things play out. Um, but I also did want to, want to call out kind of how uh, Alfred was used as, as the nephew Fred. Uh, oh, yeah. from a christmas mm. carol and um and gordon was uh was almost played like the uh uh the the, the guys who come asking for a donation oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. things that they're yeah. they're just great great uh parallels throughout and one of my favorite ones was when uh batman says something to the effect of of well you know it'll it'll decrease the decrease the criminal population the, the surplus the criminal surplus, population yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. which is such a great callback to the original dickens novel where he's like you know if they if they're going to die then they better do it and de- decrease the surplus <laughs> population uh i thought that was just a really clever and creative way and uh to show how batman has become so hard that he's lost some of the sympathy for someone who might not be a criminal, how, how things aren't always as black and white. So I, I loved that nod to the original book as well. And that's the thing, too, like Andy was saying about the narration. You can read a good maybe two-thirds of this book, and if the narration was behind panels of A Christmas Carol, it would match, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think that's really, really clever. And something else that, that kind of struck me about Robin is is it makes the illusion that, you know, but he was a different man in his past, and Batman was, and I. And part of that is because he had Robin, and Robin kind of keeps him sane and keeps the light, as it were. Um, and when we talk about what that character's function is, and then when Robin's gone, it's 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 one catalyst for Batman to become, you know, more introverted and a darker character. And and I think the way that they use that as both a callback to. Uh, a Christmas Carol, uh, and the fact that it's kind of what we see in comic books too between Batman and Robin is just really clever. Um, and you know, since this is everyone loves the Drake podcast, it's just a really great way to look at. Um, it's yet another good example of how important Robin is to Batman. Yeah, and I think uh, we've talked about it numerous times on the show, even going through uh, Tim's introduction uh, as a, a character and the. The haunting, even just in a normal Batman story that Jason Todd's death had over Bruce, uh, I think just plays very well in here. Just the way it's drawn, the way it's lit, where Bruce is has his head half turned and his eyes are looking around. It can tell that the suit is is alive and somehow. And we saw that happen numerous times in the Batcave, where Bruce would just be staring at the suit in one in one panel. You would just see the suit kind of floating there. Then they would superimpose Jason's face, and Bruce would have a reaction. It's that that ghost that he kept through the whole his whole entire career until Tim got there, where that kind of you know smoothed things out. But that that fear was always there. Um, I 
I don't know if it's something just being an animated series fan. Andy, I'm wondering if you picked up on this at all. Uh, the, the story, Old Wounds, if you guys remember that, where Batman and Robin are on a case, Batman uh, breaks in and starts beating a criminal right in front of his kid. And where Dick is like, hey, you know, we we can't do this, you know. Uh, yeah. And that's the, the cutting point for uh, Dick and Bruce. Like, he... You can't believe Batman went to that point. By the time you get to the end of it, he has hired the guy uh, at Wayne Enterprises and gave him a job and says Batman had saved his life. And I feel like those couple beats get put in through here, especially when the Joker um, has, has the gun pointed at Bob and Bob takes the gun and Batman breaks in through the window and says, you know, be the hero that you know, show, be the hero for your son that you know you can be when before. Uh, Batman was looking at him saying, you know, you're filth, you're scum, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I kind of got that Old Wounds vibe out of it by the end of the story. He's got him the tree and all those uh, different, uh, you know, Christmas. The the Dickens part of the Christmas Carol really comes through at the end. But I got an animated series vibe from that. Did anybody else pick up on that at all? or Andy? You're all I think that, that's, a, no, that's a great call. That makes uh, it's a really good comparison. And uh, honestly, yeah. I didn't make it when I was reading it just because that that episode's kind of fuzzy to me. Um, uh, it's one apparently that it, it was not in regular rotation. Um, but now that you bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I totally is that. Is that from the new Batman Adventures? Yeah, that's the new Batman Adventures. Okay. That's, yep. that's, what, that's what I was thinking. Yep. And I think in that also it's the same one where uh, Dick quits and he brings Barbara uh, in as a partner. Uh, with Yeah. So I, I believe that's the oh, Okay, it's the Nightwing origin or something. Yeah, it's like Nightwing that. origin where, okay. where it starts with it. Tim and Dick on a rooftop and Dick yep. and Tim asks Dick, you know, well, what, what led to your um, mm-hmm. split? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Remember that episode? Yeah, yeah that's great. So yeah, uh, and that's good because that's. I mean, there are a lot of examples in comics and other things of, about Batman getting to such a dark place. You know, I mean, just talking about Batman v Superman earlier, and it's it's always good to see Batman kind of brought back up by his supporting cast or things that happen to him, like in this in this graphic novel too. One of the uh, last bits here. I know there, there's so much we can go over. I don't want to. Uh, we're already at an hour and uh, 30 minutes here into the podcast, but it's a Christmas episode. You know you're going to eat a lot at, at Christmas time. Uh, but uh, uh, two little points that I wanted to uh, kind of end on here is that you get the feeling that I think with we were talking about the overlaying of the Christmas Carol with the events that happened to Batman. I get the feeling that this is the story and the events that Bob has gone through and is telling his son, a, a version of the Christmas story and kind of intermixing those those events that have happened uh, to him uh, with his son, with Batman and the Joker, while telling a Christmas story to him as well. And uh, the end of the book where he says, well, what do you think? What is the moral of the story? And it, it just kind of leaves it open-ended. I know the, the Christmas uh, Carol has a, a pretty definitive uh, moral, but uh, was the story uh, laid out in the way that uh, I think most of us have said our initial run through of the story? We thought, oh, it's going to be a straight up, like Andy said, Bruce is going to fall asleep, he's going to be visited by three spirits. Um, does the moral of the story of the Christmas Carol uh, tie up at the end like it should in this version of the story, or does it take a, a different twist? I kind of wanted to throw it out to you guys. Let's start with you, Ryan. 
Oh, this is a great question. Uh, it, it, I think they both both stories reach the same conclusion. They just do it a little differently, and that's one of the good things about Batman and Noel. And, and the way they do it isn't all the changes that have been made in this story serve the story and aren't really done to like surprise or shock you or just to divert you. It's just it's just things that tie into really well into Batman and the story that he's trying to tell. And I think. Um, I mean, you do kind of see the the moment at the end. You kind of see that Bruce Batman is is kind of a changed man when you see the fact that he's, um, you know, he's he's repairing Bob's window and bringing him bringing in a Christmas tree for him. So you kind of know that that's happened to Batman that he's kind of figured out, you know, that he can be a better person, a better man. But I like to think that he's already reached that point by the time you get to the scene with Joker in in Bob Bob's apartment. You know, where he when he tells um, Bob that he can be a hero and show his kid. I think at that point is where Batman is finally kind of figured out how to get over himself and and be the, the true Batman again. So that's what I think. Andy. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the thesis statement of the story is set up very begin at the very beginning, and that is that you know you have to believe that people can change and. Yeah. At the end of it, that's what A Christmas Carol is all about, and that's what this is all about, is that uh, you're never too far gone that you can always come back. You can always change. You can always become a better person, and that can happen for your entire life. So I think that um, it absolutely speaks to that same theme of the original story, um, but as Ryan said, just comes at comes at it in a, a slightly different way. I think uh, Ryan's right that the, I, I think that change happens when he crawls out of the grave. Um, mm. Because that's that's essentially the waking up moment from from a Christmas Carol when he wakes up Christmas morning. Here it's him crawling out of the grave and going to to stop the Joker once and for all. But um, in the end, he he had gotten so focused on on the mission and his rules and this is right, this is wrong, and there's no in between that uh, he he almost has lost his humanity. And in the end, you can see him come back from that and. That's what happened to Scrooge, and, and that's what happens to Batman in this story. And so uh, at the end of it, we learn that people can change. Terrence. Yeah, you know, I think that's what the, the great thing about A Christmas Carol is, is that message, you know, like Andy said, you're never too far gone. People can change. Scrooge, you know, even though he's remembered for his bad qualities, that's not who he was at the end, and that's not who he was for the rest of his life. Um you know, when I first read this, like I said, the first time through, it was very confusing. And even I, I thought maybe the character of Bob was the one we were going to see his change, which he does kind of change in a bit. But like in the in the beginning, there's narration and he talks about his boss being um he says here, quote, the definition of a, of cutthroat, a cruel abomination of a man who only cared about money and nothing else. People would whisper his name, almost afraid to say it out loud. And I thought, you know, the first time through, I thought, oh, he's talking about the Joker. He works for the Joker. And then at the end, when he's, you know, wearing his Wayne Tech, you know, uniform, you think, oh, well, he was talking about Batman in a way. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, um you know, I'm not even really sure now who he's really talking about through <laughs> the whole thing, but um, uh, I do, I do really like the fact that like it, it took me a little while to realize what was going on and that just kind of how far gone Batman was 
and how it was sort of like you know his friends superman who who bring him back and he can see that you know there's a difference between you know vengeance and justice and and um the the one thing i did want to mention too before we sign off i know you're you're looking to wrap it up but the tim's christmas tree has got to be it's got to rival charlie brown <laughs> yeah. the most pathetic christmas tree and, and i don't know about yeah i don't know about your guys book but mine um, if you take the dust jacket off, there's like an imprint of his yes, Christmas of the tree, tree on the yeah. front. Yeah. So that that is uh, the all time. And then Tim, too, like when he's um, when the Joker shows up at his apartment. Imagine being like a little kid and that one like it, it's so sinister how Lee Bermejo drew like the Joker, like looking into <laughs> like a the shining reference. The yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, oh, my God, <laughs> poor Tim in this thing. I mean, I wonder what he grew up. Um, hopefully he, he wasn't too tortured by it. Uh, <laughs> but but I kind of liked his character, too. He's brave because like when the Joker's in there beating his daddy, like grabs the leg and is like, stop, Mr. Please. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, just a, a amazing even though the the joker is not in it a lot it's an amazing portrayal of the joker where i think he doesn't have to be in it a lot yeah yeah i think him a little goes a long way and i think that's proven here in this um this issue here so um i kind of forget what was the question rob the 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 message shine through yes it does yeah and i i think that works very well with the batman character you put uh, even in the Justice League trailer, you know, where Cyborg says, "I didn't think you were real," and Batman says, "I'm I'm real when when need be," that the Batman, uh, on one hand, it seems kind of out of character of Batman to want to beat this guy and say, "You're scum, you're filth," and Batman always has that like, "I'm going to give you that that chance to disappoint me," but at the same time. Batman has been known to beat a thug senseless and break his arm even after getting the information he's supposed to get. I'm just going to show you a lesson. I'm going to break your arm anyway. And I think yeah. that that always works really well with the Batman character that just by having a Robin there or having Superman say, "Hey, you you can you can still do the job that you're trying to do, but you can be a better version of yourself." And I I think no matter what version of the Christmas Carol I end up reading, that it always puts that that joy and that hope of going into the next year of going. You know, I really kind of did some screwy things this year. I, I, you know, I scoffed at the lady at Walmart, you know, for not giving my change correctly back, or you know, whatever that complained is. about. Batman versus Superman. Yeah, way people that complained or... about Batman versus Superman all year. I heard so many podcasts just trash it. I'm gonna be have better ears next year. <laughs> or or bug those poor people at Warner Brothers about my hot toy. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at my hot toys right now. I'm so glad to have it. <laughs> but uh, how, how many people did you make cry on the phone to get that toy? Um, that would be a question for my wife. Um, yeah, she, it's a festivus she a, miracle. Yeah, she, it's a festivus miracle. Gotta, I've right. got to get you know there. We got to get the Seinfeld reference in. <laughs> yes. See, uh, that should be the artwork. Is just a festivus poll. <laughs> but uh, no, I just I I think with the Christmas Carol, especially this. Um, it, it is that, not to get all, all sappy at the end of the podcast, but 
I always try and take that moment during the Christmas season and not trying to be so rushed on focus and getting somebody the exact gift that they are. Maybe take that that two seconds and open the door for the other person going into Macy's or whatever whatever store that might be, and just wish somebody well for the next year and and hopefully not turn into the Scrooge. All right, well I think that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. I want to thank everybody for being on here, uh, Andy. Thanks for being on the show. Sorry it took so long. Uh, to get you on to uh, return the favor, but it's been an absolute blast uh, to have you on the show and talk some uh, Batman and Christmas and kind of mix those together for you. Um, real quick, where can the people find you out there as if they already don't know, but go ahead and, uh, and plug away, sir. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. This was a blast. It was great, uh, being on this show as a fellow Tim Drake nerd, this was a blast. It was cool to finally, uh, speak live with Ryan instead of just on yeah. Twitter. Um, <laughs> So, so this has been awesome. And again, mixing Batman and Christmas, I'm just as happy as can be. Uh, there's one other thing I want to say about Batman Noel is we're always talking about like, oh, what, you know, what should be the next thing adapted for animation? Why has this not been brought up? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I thought that so many times reading this, just how cinematic and a nice encapsulated kind of story it is. I think they should absolutely an- animate this thing. Yeah, it's like the perfect length for a 70-minute animated mm-hmm. film. Like everything is in there. You can do a great mm-hmm. animated version of the the amazing artwork and uh add another uh, watching thing to my my holiday rotation. So I yeah. I think it would be amazing. Um but yeah, so and and I'm glad that this gave me the uh motivation to finally read the book. I some of my listeners were saying, "Hey, for Christmas, you should do uh Batman Noel." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, I'm doing it on another show, so I'm not doing it on my show. So <laughs> make sure you check out this other one. So I'll be sure <laughs> to share this uh cuz they can get their Batman Noel talk. But uh for those of you uh, who don't know where to find me, I do have my own Batman show called Holy Batcast. Uh, you can find that wherever you find your podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Holy Batcast, uh, as well as Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Uh, and if you want to follow just me when I'm not talking about Batman, um, why would you? Uh, you can just search for my name. Uh, it's just Andy DiGenova on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, this has been awesome. Happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. And uh, don't forget what Batman learned on that fateful Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. Excellent. <laughs> Oh, Ryan, as always, I think you've been our longest uh, running guest. Like I told you the last podcast, your chair is just firmly planted. If you're just, yeah. if you're here, <laughs> awesome, great. If not, then uh, old Scrooge Batman is going to send one of his ghosts out to haunt you. So, Ooh, uh, better no. not better not miss a show. Then. That's right. Um, go ahead, sir. Uh, plug away. What do you've got going on? Uh, follow me on Twitter at smb underscore ryan. F and listen to the Batman on Film podcast, where sometimes we complain about things and sometimes we don't. <laughs> um, uh, also, Andy, I, I'm I'm really glad that you were able to come on this podcast because I've been wanting to kind of do a podcast with you a while, uh, for quite a while. And um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely lived up to my lofty expectations, and it was a, a great conversation. And uh, hopefully, you can come back to the show again sometime. It'd be great. Maybe we can get e- either any of you guys on uh, one of our crazy end of year shows we're going to do for batman on film here in the next couple of weeks that'd be that kind of be some be fun be but fun. uh but yeah it's great awesome uh terrence as always uh thanks for doing this show brother um anything you've got uh going on end of the year 
Yeah, I'll just say in the Christmas spirit, you will not be kicked off your own podcast this time. That, that's my Thank Christmas you. gift to you. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the YouTube channel is kind of haven't put some stuff up there in a while just because with school starting up and then with vacations and all that stuff, it was a little hectic. But with Christmas break coming up soon, hopefully we'll get some stuff up on the uh, YouTube channel soon. And uh, hopefully we'll, like you said, we'll do Seduction of the Gun at some point. And uh, maybe who knows, whatever, maybe whatever uh, Batman Christmas gifts I get this year, we'll we'll put <laughs> up there. Yeah, that'd be cool. And this is going to be the last show for 2016. Uh, this is recorded early in December for a little peek behind the curtain here. So give us a, a nice little break for the end of the year, and we'll probably do something at the beginning of the year. Uh, coming back in 2017, well, we'll finish up in nightfall, and we'll be trucking on through the Robin ongoing series. So thanks to everybody being a part of the show, Ryan, Andy, and Terrence. Thank all of you guys. Hope everybody has a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we will see everybody in 2017. Uh, on the behalf of Ryan, Andy, and Terrence, this has been Rob Myers, and you've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net and Robin, Everyone Loves a Drake. Have a Merry Christmas, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at RobinELTDPodcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin, everyone loves the Drake, and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, The Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>